0: up there. We're going to read the whole book. Aww. Numbers is such a fun book. Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I'm going to read verse 2. I'm going to skip to 25 and then read 27 to 33. <laughs> now, now the setup on this for, for so we can make sure we understand where we're at. Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt at this time. They crossed the, cross the Red Sea and they're in the desert and they're wandering around and they come up just to the promised land, to Canaan. And, and it's time to go and, and check things out. So verse 2 says, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader from among them. Go to 25. So they go into the land... And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Verse 27, Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, the cities are fortified, and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, "'Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it.' But the men who had gone up with him said, "'We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we.' And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, "'The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants.' And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Father, this morning I pray, God, that you would open our eyes. That you would strengthen our resolve. God, that you would help us to see what promises you have made toward us and help us to take the land that you've given us. jesus name joshua and caleb along with the other ten leaders went into canaan they, did, they for 40 days they walked around they cut down the big thing of grapes and they picked up the figs they saw the land and it, it was it was the promised land they all saw the same thing they saw huge grapes beautiful figs a great land a land flowing with milk and honey as was reported to them But they also saw fortified cities, walled cities, large warriors. The ten cried out together, great land, amazing land, but we can't do it. We're going to die. Joshua and Caleb declared, the land is great, and if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us. Only do not rebel. Do not fear. Verse 9, in chapter 14. Don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. What do you do with bread? You roast it, you toast it, and you eat it. They are our bread. We're going to have them for breakfast. Don't fear. Don't rebel. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That's what Joshua and Caleb were trying to declare. But the ten spies who saw the same thing were saying, Yeah, everything's good. The land is great and it's everything they promised. But we can't do it. If we go in, they're going to devour us. We have no chance. And so Joshua and Caleb declare this and they said, We can do it. We can do it. Don't rebel. Do not fear. And everything gets better. And the congregation says, Yes, let's go in. Uh-uh. They say, let's stone them. That's what we need to do. Let's stone Joshua and Caleb for even bringing this report up. We don't want to hear the good news. On the way in this morning, the ushers were supposed to check, by the way. I hope they did. Did you go through church land security this morning and get checked? So I asked them to not let anyone bring stones into the sanctuary this morning in case any of us in this room would want to do what the Israelites did there and say, stone them. Because the message this morning, I want to declare that there's a land and it's flowing with milk and honey. It's a great land. There's promises of God for us. There's a new land for you to walk in and you can overcome it. You can take it. You are well able to overcome. There's a land just on the other side that's waiting for all of us to walk in. And God in us is well able to overcome all the adversities and we're able to take the land if we do not rebel, if we do not fear. But you know, that message can be even fearful to us. It's fearful to step out into the unknown, into into something that we just quite can't quite tell. You know, they weren't very happy in in, in the desert and they were going to get more unhappy as time went on but there's a there's a saying and it's 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 the the evil that we know or the the bad things that we know is better than the things that we don't know the bad that we don't know we'd rather stay in the place that we're at even if it's bad rather than risk going into something that's unknown but god says i have a land and it's flowing with milk and honey it's a place for you to possess it's a place for you to walk in in victory and overcoming And it's just right there. All 12 spies, they went into the same land. 12 of them, all together, and they saw the same thing. But what was the difference? What was the difference between the 10 and the 2, Joshua and Caleb? Joshua and Caleb lived in a different reality. Joshua and Caleb lived in a whole other reality. They went into the land and they saw the same things. If you see, they didn't deny that there were giants and that that there was obstacles, but they said, the Lord in us is well able to to take it. We're well able to do this. They lived in a different reality. They saw things from the perspective of God's promises, God's power, God and them being able to overcome. You know, church, we're supposed to live in a different reality we're not supposed to live in the same reality that the world lives in. We live in a whole other kingdom. When we became Christians, we became part of the kingdom of God. And our reality changed. It's not the reality that everybody in the world lives in. But we have a hard time adjusting to the new reality. We spent the last few weeks talking about these, these messages and it's so good to go back, look through your notes, listen to them again, go back and revisit who is God and... Who are you in Christ to begin to help us to get this new reality? You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of faith. You're starting a wondrous journey into God's imagination. God's imagination is where we live. Nothing holds us back. It is a wonderful journey. We don't live, we don't walk by sight. We don't walk just by the things we hear. We live in another reality. And that reality has to be based on faith in God and His promises to us. And He has got so many good things for us. We're not bound by circumstance. Now, we feel really bound by circumstance. But because we're in Christ, we're unlimited. God can do all the things that He promises us to do. You're not bound by your financial limitations. If God sees fit to do something, He can blow open the financial doors, bring down a blessing, bring it from nowhere, and, and cause everything to change. We are not to live bound by reality. Remember, reality is really... We don't live in reality. We live in the perception of reality. See, and the enemy would give you one perception... The world would give you another perception, but we live in God's perception of what reality is, and with faith all things are possible. We live in a in a we are supposed to live in a world where the the Bible and his promises to us and being in fellowship with him builds our reality and we walk that out. But it's a struggle every day and it's, it's a gran lucha. It's a great fight to overcome the mind, and to not be brought back. And there's a lot of ways we can get through that, and one of them is just to turn off your TV. You know, that, that's just that, that's, that's the quickest, easiest route into your head is the news and, and, and all this junk that you're seeing all the time because it's fighting what God wants us to live in His reality for us. We're not limited by the things of the world because we live in that different reality. It's based on faith. And I am so glad it's not based on my abilities. It's not based on my finances. It's not, it's not based on anything that I can perceive because God is so much greater than that. Eye has not seen, ears not heard, or entered into the hearts of men what God has prepared. He has got something for us that our natural eyes and ears cannot perceive. But He says that we can understand that in Him. Hallelujah. God wants us to begin to live out our life in a different reality. And this has, been a, this has been a struggle for me. Because I look around and I see a government, I see an economy, I see issues and problems in the great old United States of America. We're living in times that, that I don't think we've ever experienced personally. We're, we're, we're in economic upheaval, where I believe that the, the government is, isn't even as strong as it's wanting us to believe, that there's so much more happening and could be happening in our government. So, so what reality am I going to live in? If I believe that Uncle Sam is my provider, then my reality is in trouble. But truly, who is my provider? My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. My reality is different. If he needs to, he's going to bring some some birds to feed me. He's going to rain down manna from heaven to feed me, to take care of me. He can cause it that my shoes don't wear out for the next 40 years. I live in another reality, in him. But we have to begin to move toward him and build that faith. There's two people I want to talk about this morning who also lived in a different reality. And because they lived in a different reality... They were more than conquerors. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors in Christ, and that's what we want to become. The first first guy that I was thinking about, and there's so many uh, examples of it, but is Joseph, not chronologically first, but, you know, but Joseph was a man who lived in a different reality. Here he was a youngster. He had 11 other siblings. He was one of 12, or at least the, the boys, and and. He lived in a different reality. He was the youngster, but there was something in him that made him the oldest. He gets a vision from God that everyone's going to bow down to him. And the youngest usually wouldn't do this, but he goes out and he tells them the vision. You're all going to bow down. He was a slave later in his life, but he lived in the reality like he was the owner. He carried himself different. He never acted as a slave. He had a different perception of who he was in God. He was a prisoner. But the account tells us that he lived more like the warden. He was in charge of the prison. How does that happen? Because he lived in a different reality. He knew who he was in God. He knew the promises that God had given him and he walked them out in his life. And because he walked those things out and he knew who he was and he knew the visions that God had given him, Although he was a prisoner, although he was a slave, although he was a foreigner, he became the second ruler of all of Egypt. Now that's a good reality to live in. Those things happen when we begin to align ourselves with what God has for us and don't limit ourselves by what the world says. When we align ourselves with what God says about us and we don't live by what our family declares over us. In his life, in the life of of Joseph, you see at times that, that, that he must have been completely despondent. It wasn't all good. You know, the moment he was thrown into a pit, he probably wasn't going, man, this is great. He had to fight through. had to fight through those feelings of, God, where are you? What's happening in my life now? Some of you are in a pit. Life has given you a pit and you're there and and you're thinking, man, somebody's going to come by and rescue me. You know, the problem is, is the thing that might come by and rescue might be some slave traders. Well, you're out of the pit, but you're still in bondage. But what reality will you live in? Wherever you're at, the reality needs to be, I'm a child of the Most High God. I think, of, I think of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, and the, the prophetic words that had come through at different times to the children of Israel, and here, now that the, the, the Israel has been capt- brought off captive, they're going to be in bondage for 70 years. Some of you think you've been suffering a long time. 70 years. And it was declared to them that you're going to go and you're going to be in bondage for 70 years. One of the most one of the most famous verses in the Bible there's there's a lot of them, but one that's common among people is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Right? We have a plaque, it's my wife's favourite verse. We have a plaque in our living room. The the New King James says it this way, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you'll call upon me and go to pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. We, we love that verse. 11 just, is just wonderful. I, I know the plans I have for you. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Do you realize that the children of Israel were in captivity and were going to be there for 70 years? They were in the midst of captivity, and God is declaring to them a different reality. I have plans for you, and they're to prosper you. That's a real different paradigm shift for us to get a hold of right there. Life is not good unless they understand who they are in Christ. Unless they understand who they are in God, that they're God's chosen people. And as they still align themselves with God, His de- declaration over them as a people is, I have plans and I'm going to prosper you. And, and, and He declares to them just be, before that, in verse 5, He says, Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. These are normal activities for people. These aren't mourning activities. These aren't activities you do when you're in captivity, yet they're in, in captivity. And what's God saying? It doesn't matter the circumstance you're in. Live there. I am with you. I will prosper you. Don't look at the circumstances that you're in. I've got a plan, and it's to prosper you. But for now, you might be in captivity. We always fight our situations around us and want them to change. Oh, God, I hate this job that I have. I hate this job. I hate this job. I hate this job. Build a house. Plant some vineyards. God might have you there. Pray pray to Him. Serve Him. And He will prosper you. But stop complaining about the situation. Live in the different reality. I don't have a job at all. Love God. He'll prosper you as you serve Him. We we fall into pits, we get thrown into pits and we get sold into slavery. But if our focus is on the pit and our focus is on the slavery, we'll never overcome. But if we begin to look at Him and say, God, you're my vindication. The checkbook isn't. The paycheck isn't it. You're my vindication. You're my provider. And I will love you and I will serve you. As that attitude, as that reality begins to come, every situation we become victorious in it. If Joseph would have become despondent in a situation, he would have never become the ruler of Egypt. And if that would have happened, the children of Israel would have died in the famine. God had a plan. He orchestrates it. But we have to live in a different reality. Live it the way God sees it. As you do that, there will be people around you who will hate you for the dream that you have. For the vision that God gives you, just as it happened to Joseph. His brothers despised him because he was given a vision from God. Other people will despise you because you have faith. Other people will despise you because you have hope. Because you live in a different set of circumstances than everyone else. But you just have to know, God, I'm hanging on to your vision for my life. I'm hanging on to the hope that's in you, not in my circumstances, not in my situations. Pastor Jeff read the scripture. And we don't, that's not one we want to want to quote. Afflictions come. You know, bad things happen. We don't understand it. But in those moments we look to the Lord. We have to understand that. Trials and tribulations will come. I, I, I remember doing a wedding years ago, and and um, I, I'm actually forget forgetting. I did a lot of weddings. I owned a wedding chapel, and uh, we were we were at the top of Snow Summit, and we were talking about the the wedding vows, and and the vows that they they wanted just the vows that I had, and and one of the lines in there were um, trials and tribulations will come, and. And and the bride said, I don't I don't want you to say that. I'd like you to say trials and tribulations may come. This was you know we were talking and, I'm, and I said, really? You think that they may come? I, I guarantee you they'll come. I don't want you to say that. No, that's that's just a bad kind of a confession. And I'm sorry. Anyone ever been married? Okay. Um, Keep your hand up if trials and tribulations came, right? I mean, you know, 100% out of 100% of marriages, trials and tribulations came. And so during the the ceremony, I'm not usually too rebellious. During the ceremony, I got to that part and I said, trials and tribulations will come. And she looked at me and she goes, we're repeating the vows. And she looked at me and she goes, trials and tribulations may come. (laughs) She couldn't get it. Truth is, trials and tribulations come for everyone. Life on this planet is hard. We get thrown in the pit and we get sold into slavery. We do our best and we're serving and we're doing things right and now we're elevated in the house of Potiphar and we're falsely accused and we're thrown into the dungeon. This was not an American prison. American prison isn't too bad. You know, three square meals. They, some of them have TVs. you got a lot of stuff. This was not a pretty sight. And he's thrown in for something he didn't do. And yet his vision, his reality was, no, I'm God's. And he began to raise up. And he gets an opportunity with the baker and the butler and he interprets a dream because he's still walking for God and he's hearing from God and his mind is, is right and his heart is right and he interprets these dreams and he says to the baker, you're in, you're in tough luck here. But to the butler, he says, you're going to be restored. You're going to put the drink right back in the Pharaoh's hand. And when that happens, remember me. And the butler didn't remember him. I mean, isn't that just like some people? Yeah. You know, you tell them, you help them. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like oh, I broke down years ago. As I broke down right at the Jinx Lake Road, the first one going down. So, And, and I, it was winter, and I had to walk home. And so I'm walking and hitchhiking home, and I got all the way down to the second passing lane after that coming up to Big Bear. So I walked a couple of miles, and this big truck came ripping down the road, and, and, he, and he saw me hitchhiking, and he stops. He goes, hey, where's Big Bear? And I said, we have 15 miles to go. Catch that? We have 15 miles to go in this direction. And he goes, hey, Thanks. Passes me, turns around. I put out my my thumb. You know, he's turning around. He's going to stop and pick me up. And he goes. And he leaves me. You know, it's like the butler. (laughs) Hey, thanks for the info. Oh, what about that guy? Life feels like that sometimes. You do these things and you live a certain way and still it crashes in. Well, that's reality but it's not the reality we live in. Because we, we, we can live above those things and say, God, in all things, you work out for the good if I'll continue to love you. If I don't rebel. There are those ifs in there for us to read. We have to get the ifs. And if we're not walking in the ifs, then we won't walk in the blessings either. There are some blessings connected with ifs. God works all things for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Do you love Him? Called according to His purpose? God will work it out. But where's your faith? Faith has got to move from the situation and the circumstances. David is another another guy who, who lived his life in a different reality. He, he was the youngest of his brothers. We know the story well. and He was just a sheep herder. His brothers were older, they were taller, they were stronger. Three of them were off fighting the battle, defending their land and their nation, and, and that's a high calling to be able to stand up and do. We've lost that in our culture of, of wanting to defend your nation. There, there was times past that that was such an honor to do. People would sign up and really want to do it, and that was the way it was. That He wanted to defend his nation, but he got to go down and check on the, on the people, on his brothers and on the nation to find out what the battle was doing. And as soon as he gets there, he starts getting accused. What did you come down to? Why are you here? David knew who he was. Go to 1 Samuel 17. So David goes down. He's checking up on his, on his brothers. He's just a young guy. And he sees the Philistines taunting God. Mocking him. And Goliath coming out cursing God and challenging them and everybody shaking in their boots. You know, I have a hard time picturing Goliath looking anything other than a pickle. <laughs> For you parents, you know what I'm talking about. So you've got the, the big giant pickle there. You've got Goliath. He's huge. He's, he's cursing and nobody will go. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine over there. Somebody needs to take care of him. And he says, what are you thinking, little David? But David knew who he was. David didn't live in the reality that he was 14-ish, a young guy, surrounded by mighty warriors who were afraid of that guy. He didn't live in that reality. He lived in the reality that God was God and nobody Nobody curses God. And so he goes and says, hey, see, I also see something else. We pass by because we, you know, maybe this sounds prideful or something else. We pass by, we skim by the fact that David says, hey, what's going to happen for the guy who defeats him? He saw, he saw an opportunity there, too. He says, you know what, God, God's going to use this to bless me. What's going to happen for the man who takes this Philistine down? He lived in a different realm. He says, I can do that. And he goes in and he, and he gives the whole case to Saul. He says, well, you're, you're crazy. Don't go back. Go feed the sheep. He says, no. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 says, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. David just left the sheep. He just left them. Your servant used to keep the sheep. He's already moved on. He lives in another reality. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Lions and bears. I mean, most of us, when a dog runs up and barks us, we back off. He lived in another reality. He would take the bear and he would take the lion. But keep reading. Verse 37, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. His reality was, God will deliver me. I'll go out in faith and God will be my victory. That's the reality God wants us to live in. He doesn't want us to be trapped by the economy. He doesn't want us to be trapped and in bondage to our health, to our family matters, to all these things. But He wants to give us a hope and a vision and a plan for our life. And he, we need to connect with that and we need to know His plan and know Him so that we can begin to declare the same things about our situation says, no, these things, I am more than a conqueror. God is able in me and He will deliver me from this. He'll deliver me from this. Who are you? Who has God created you to be? We've been spending this last number of weeks just scratching the surface who are you in Christ? Who has God made you to be? You're more than a conqueror. Jeremiah 29 11 declared that He has a hope, a plan, a future for each and every one of us. He says that there's a promised land for each of us to walk into. Each and every one of us has been bought with the blood of Jesus. Our future has changed. What's our reality? Too often our reality is what the world says is true. What our circumstances dictate. And those things are are real in this natural economy and they're real obstacles to overcome. David fought bears, he fought lions, and he fought Goliath. I was hoping Randy Manessus was going to be here this morning. He's the closest thing we've got to a giant in here and you know, Rand, Randy's a, just such a—he's—he's he's a gentle giant. He's six foot eight, which I don't know if that's—I don't know if I can reach that high or not. Six—he's six foot eight, and he looks like a bear. He's just a big guy, and Goliath was a couple of feet on him. <laughs> you know, and I, it would just be really funny to maybe put maybe like Zach, my son Zach, next to next to Randy because that'd probably be the right height difference, and say, "Go get him." <laughs> David had to go out in faith. He had to face his giants. But his reality was solid in who God was. The life of David continually after that. David knew. See, what was different in this moment? You go, man, where, where did the guy get the boldness? In you know, chapter 16, David was anointed. The spirit of God was on him. Something changed in him. The spirit of God, it said, came upon him in chapter 16. and that was what made the difference in David's life. Because there was a lot of shepherds. In fact, before David, I'm sure his older brothers used to keep the sheep. It wasn't that he was a shepherd boy and had to fight the lion and the bear. It was the spirit of God inside of him that made a difference. Welling up inside, saying, "You can overcome. you can be victorious." if you'll just step out in faith over your enemies and your adversaries this morning, you can begin to have the victory no matter what it is. The situation might not change. It might take a while for it to change. But God will make you victorious in the midst of your circumstances. He will give you hope He will give you power. He will give you peace. He will come and do things even in the midst of the circumstances without always removing you from the circumstances. That's a false message that gets preached too often that God just wants to give you, give you, give you, give you, give you everything and never let anything bad happen to you. God wants to walk with you in the midst of it and give you hope and purpose and vision and peace and power to overcome. And through that test, the testimony comes. Talk to some people who... There are some great men and women of faith in this room that I know their stories and their testimonies. They've come through difficulties. But they've come through them with Christ and because of that they've come out strong. And they know who Christ is. Don't give up. Don't give in to what the enemy wants to lie to you about. Say, no, I know the situation is declaring this but my God is greater than this situation. I can overcome. I can do it. I will prosper and succeed the way that God sees me and shows me that I will prosper and succeed. There's a, there's a movie. It's a very profound movie. About a lion named Simba it's actually a really good movie. One of the better ones that Disney put out. And there's some weird stuff in it, but there's an amazing analogy. And there's a scene in there that's now Simba's the, the little baby lion who just couldn't. He sang the song, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. That's like all of us more kids. I just can't wait to be king. He he was excited about what was coming up for him and situations in his life caused him to run. And he was hiding it out in a place that he was never called to be and. Didn't know who he was, and the monkey comes Rafiki, and and he he says, "I know where your father is, and you know his father is dead. Mufasa's king of the jungle, and he's dead. And Simba was supposed to take his place, and instead he's off somewhere else. And and Rafiki shows him the reflection in the water, and at first Simba's excited. He thinks it's his dad, and then he goes, "That's." touches the water he says something profound and I say it to you this morning your father is in you he's in you and then Mufasa comes in in, in a cloud and he speaks the father comes to us and speaks you've forgotten me And, and, and Simba we say God I haven't forgotten you God says, no, you've forgotten me because you've forgotten who you are. When we forget who we are in Christ, we forget God. Because He's supposed to live in us. He's created us to be overcomers and victorious. And when we forget that and we walk in in defeat and deception, we forget who God is. And then the next next line is, is convicting, encouraging, if we'll get a hold of it, and he says... You are more than you have become. In other words, God sees more in you than what you are today. There is more that you're supposed to be, more that you're supposed to walk in than what you have become to this day. God has a plan and a purpose. I thought, wow, that is so true. We sit so far away from the potential that God has for each and every one of us, but too often we forget who we are in Him. And so we're limited by the deceiver and by deception and by the enemy. We're limited by our own stinking thinking. And we're not becoming what God has for us because we don't know who Christ is in us. We need to remember who we are and who He is inside of us. And we need to begin to step out and become that victory and live in the, a different reality than what the world is saying. You know what? I know the economy's bad, but I don't live in that economy. I live in God's economy. And no matter what I'm eating, He's going to provide for me. Even if my diet changes to beans and rice, I don't live for burgers and fries. I live for Jesus, and He will provide and He will take care of me no matter what. The victory is, is there for us. But the victory does look different. We have to understand God's reality of what victory looks like. It's not this world's economy. First John two says, "Don't love the world or anything in the world. Do not love the world or anything of the world." We need to begin to believe the promises of God, and to read them, and hear from Him, and spend time with Jesus in prayer and sitting at His foot. It is footstool and knowing Him. Bible says, "You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free." As you begin to know Him and know who you are in Him, you become more free, and free, and victory comes. The darkness lifts off of your eyes, and you begin to walk differently. The promises that He gives us through His Word. Second Corinthians says no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. The promises that God has made are yes in Christ. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's going to make you more than a conqueror. He knows your name. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So be it. Amen. These promises are yes Yes, Lord, we agree with that. We speak it forth. And now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The promises are yes and amen. As we trust in Him and believe who He is and obey. Those are the two biggest parts to... To believe what he says, believe his word, and then obey the things that he calls us to do. Step out in faith, walk in victory. We'll begin to see the victory more and more. To remember the things that God spoke to you. Nehemiah 1, I want to read Nehemiah 1 8 through 11 in closing. in just a moment. We're going to close with a song today. The lyrics are going to be on the wall. The worship team's not going to come, but, but we're going to close with a song and it's a declarative song. And this morning, the altar call is to simply, if you need to declare, yes, I'm no longer going to live in the old reality. I'm going to begin to stand in Christ's reality. I'm going to begin to stand on His promises. I'm going to change my thinking and agree with God and begin to to stop letting the enemy be the victor in my life. We're going to just come and and, and as a declaration, worship in the front and you don't have to come. But if that's you, I want you to come. As soon as I read the scripture, we're going to play the the song and begin to worship and we're going to close with that song. You come forth as a declaration and say, Yes, I am victorious. My reality is not this world's. It's Christ. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 8 says, Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are exiled people are at the farthest horizon, there's a promise. I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. No matter how far you've Walked away. No matter how far you feel like you've been scattered from God, He will pull you back and He will bring you to the place that He has for you. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success to die by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I prayed this morning and I'll pray it again and we're going to start and begin to worship and I'm going to ask you those to come forward in that declaration. But God, open our eyes. Strengthen our resolve. Help us to see what promises you have made. God, and help us to take the land. started up here but I'm telling you wrong stand sorry it's the new stand Hallelujah a little, a little bit of power on that. Hallelujah, let's take a break you hear the voice of the Father inviting you to walk on the water, risk it all, answer the call, enter in, step on your journey and hit the problem you have for the time. promises to stand on. We don't know the word well enough to know what he's promised us. I encourage you, you need to be with other believers learning the Bible better. Yeah. Be in a life group. Get be get, get disciples. Spend time learning the word with other Christians who are stronger than you as they would help you will know the promises that God has. We can stand on the promises that God has had and we will have the victory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, thank you so much for the victory. Bless us all, Lord. We ask. Bless us all in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.